Hey, Drilled listeners, we are getting close to being able to release this next season, I swear. Today, I want to talk to you about a new report that's been released from Carbon Tracker. The title is quite clever. The future's not in plastics. Little graduate reference there. The report is looking at how the oil and gas industry has for quite a while now been pointing to petrochemicals and specifically plastics as its way out when demand for oil and gas related to transportation and various other sectors declines. They've been hanging a lot of their hopes on petrochemicals and plastics. And what this new report tells us is that the demand is just not there. The oil industry is predicting that plastic use will just continue to grow at 4% a year for several years, and they're basing a ton of investments on that. They're also getting a ton of investment dollars based on those projections. But what Carbon Tracker found is that, in fact, demand will be decreasing 4%. That's quite a gap. On top of being a bad investment financially, of course, plastic is quite bad for the planet and not just on the waste side. CO2 is emitted in the production of plastic. Plastic is often burned, emitting more emissions. For the most part right now, plastic is being made with the emissions of fracking and being sold as sort of some closed loop way to deal with the emissions from that process. So again, it's one of these things that doesn't make sense from an environmental perspective, that doesn't make sense from a climate perspective, doesn't make sense from an environmental perspective, and that no one really wants. The oil and gas industry has for a very long time used the we're just fulfilling a demand defense for oil, gas, coal, plastic, you name it. They very much use that argument on plastic, but the data just doesn't back it up. Here to explain all of that is this report's author, Kingsmill Bond that conversation coming up in just a moment after this quick message from today's sponsor. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors which is bad news because according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. In some cases, it could be a hundred times more polluted. Data shows that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths around the world. I have a strange little problem in my neck of the woods, and that is that everybody likes to burn their garden trash and other trash too. Lots of trash burning going on in my neighborhood. Not great. Air Doctor has really, really helped. I just fire it up on days when I can tell everybody's lighting their trash fires, and it keeps the household air clean. Air Doctor is the air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code DRILLED to get up to 39% off or up to $300 off, depending on the model. 
lock this special offer in by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code DROPED. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. initially brought you to wanting to look into this issue and, you know, spend enough time on it to, to put out a report? So uh, Carbon Tracker's focus for many years has been on the implications of the energy transition for financial markets. And one of the primary implications in many sectors has been stranded assets, which I believe is a, a term coined or certainly popularized by Carbon Tracker. So we wanted to look at plastics because it, it seems to be the epitome of uh, a sector where there's uh, an enormous disconnect between what the, uh, the, the the sector is planning and what is, is more likely. And in that disconnect, you, you see a, a very large amount of stranded assets. I assume that you went into this knowing a certain amount already. What was What were sort of the surprising... Uh, discoveries as you dug into it a little more deeply? Well, a very good question. The, the, the most surprising initial discovery was that everyone had different numbers oh, wow. and how hard it was to get all of the numbers to reconcile. So of course, you know, Common Tracker, we, we're very much focused on data and numbers and, and analysis and getting it completely accurate. Mm. Um, and, and, and we just found it surprisingly difficult. I mean, fortunately, a, an extremely clear story uh, manifested itself, which meant that the, the discontinuities between certain different databases didn't really matter that much. But it was, it's quite hard because you're dealing with lots of different industries. So you've got the plastics industry, you've got the petrochemical industry, you've got the oil industry, you've got the, the recycling industry. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I mean, even across countries and between countries, um, the, there's not co- complete uh, agreement on, 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 what the, uh, on, what the, on what the data is. That was, for me, the biggest surprise. It seems to me just in reading, you know, oil companies annual reports over the last few years that plastic has really been the thing that they claim is going to save them when demand for transport fuels drops. <laughs> Does that seem to be, you know, still the way that a lot of them are at least talking about this or planning in their in their financial plans? Yeah, I mean, you put it very well. It's, it's quite interesting because um, it, it's not as if plastics was always like something that you did on the, with your oil on the side once you once you use the primary 
use of oil in, in, in transportation in other areas. Um, so it's quite surprising that it's, it's shot up the agenda. And, as, and, and pretty much as you say, what's happened over the last few years is that all of the other growth drivers of oil have kind of fallen by the wayside. So I mean, cars used to be one of the four big growth factors and, 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 and uh, as cars got more efficient and electric vehicles come into the mix, people have now said, well, you know, even the IEA is now saying, actually, we've probably reached peak demand for oil from cars. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing's starting to happen with trucks. And obviously, um, you know, in, in recent months, the, uh, the, the COVID crisis has taken the steam out of the, you know, the third big pillar, which was airlines um, and air travel. And, and, and like petrochemicals has, has become a kind of mantra for the oil industry that thank goodness for petrochemicals, because, you know, that's where all the growth lies. And it's quite interesting. If you, if you take the data now um, from, from BP and, 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 and the IEA, probably the two um, leading uh, forecasters of, uh, of the entire system, then from our calculations, about half the growth of oil demand in the next 20 years in the IEA numbers is actually from plastics. And, and, and surprisingly enough, it's basically all of the growth in oil demand is coming from plastics in, in, the, in our interpretation of the BP numbers. So wow. it, it has become really significant because everything else has fallen, fallen away. Right. To, to be clear, um, the, 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 that's not a, a commentary or, or on, on BP itself. I mean, that's mainly the data forecast that they, they're talking about. And, and interestingly, as you know, BP itself is, is pulling out of the petrochemical sector, possibly because they've looked at the numbers the same way we've done. Can you talk a little bit about the link between the natural gas boom and the plastic boom? With, with the fracking of gas, you get a lot of, of, of NGLs, you get a lot of ethane and propane, and they're considerably cheaper, or they were considerably cheaper as a feedstock uh, than oil. And you know, all these companies had the bright idea, well, let's turn this ethane into plastic, and then we can undercut our, our competitors, and we can, um, we, we, we can uh, make very high super profits. That's basically was the idea. And, and therefore, that's why you've had this massive buildup of the petrochemical sector in the US based on apparently cheap ethane. The, what they didn't factor on uh, into the equation was the fact that um, actually the price of oil has now fallen so far that the, that the price differential is not nearly so big as they thought. And then, of course, much more importantly, um, because there's so much overbuild, the price that they thought they were going to get, they're not going to get because there's so much overcapacity that ethylene prices have collapsed. So it, it's, it's just been a very poor strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have seen some, uh, some data around the COVID crisis actually um, helping to you know, buoy some of the plastic demand. Is that accounted for in this report? It, it, it is. Um, in fact, we tend to see COVID, as in, as in so many other areas, as, as uh, a factor which speeds up change. So probably the best data on the expected impact on, on plastic demand this year comes from Wood McKenzie. And they, they, taught, they add it all up. Um, what's the impact on, on, on plastic demand of, of increasing demand uh, for medical plastic, for PPE use and gloves and stuff? And then what's the impact of, of lower demand because the economic shocks so are buying less cars and we can't go to the shops, so we're buying less uh, less clothes, and they add it all up. And actually, the the because you use a thousand times or more um, plastic in a, in in a car to what you use in a mask, the actual impact is to have a four percent decline. They 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 estimate in in plastics demand this year, and that kind of 
if you have a, to, to state the obvious, if you have a four percent decline in demand and a four percent increase in capacity, right. um, four five percent increase in capacity, you know things looking quite quite ugly. But actually, in this report, we we wanted to focus also on some of the longer term impediments to the expected uh, uh, demand growth. Right. Could you talk a little bit about those longer term impediments and and what you're seeing in in you know beyond COVID? Yeah, I, th I think you know there, there were three impediments we wanted to to on which we focus. I mean, the first is just thinking about society. Um, and people always sneer at, at me as a finance guy when I talk about society, but it's you can't completely ignore um, the the wishes and aspirations of, of the world's populations because uh, you have these two really unsurmountable problems that the plastics industry has not been able to address. The first is that they have a very large carbon footprint. Um, it slightly depends how you calculate it, but the point to me is that they have a large carbon footprint that's planning to double over the next 20 years when the rest of the world is trying to get to zero. So that doesn't really compute. And at the same time, you've got this uh, massive amount of, of plastic ending up in the ocean and um, in, in, in the breaking the, in breaking the Plastic Wave report, systemic estimates that at 11 million tons a year of plastic going into the ocean. And, and they say, look, by 2040, there's going to be as much plastic in the ocean as fish. And, and the point to me is that therefore there's a lot of pressure from society, a lot of societal pressure to do something. Um, so, so far so good and that's very much appreciated. I think the, the two additional factors that we really drew attention to in this report, the first is, is technology. And in a similar way to, to, to what you've seen elsewhere in the energy sector, um, new technologies are coming along which make it possible to deliver plastics functionality, but without the same amount of plastic. And, and that's what this, this report, Breaking the Plastic Waves, done. It's, it's analyzed that. It's, it's looked at the three classic areas of, 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 of reduce and substitute and recycle. It's costed them in, in tremendous detail. And it's figured out that you can have the same plastics functionality, but at half the amount of plastics. Um, and, and, and actually, interestingly enough, at 0.7 million more jobs. So there's some interesting new technologies, new ideas uh, materializing to, to meet the aspirations of society. And then finally, um, you have politicians who are actually starting in certain areas to, to, put these, uh, to, to put these ideas into practice. And you know, we highlighted in this report what's going on in Europe and China uh, above all, but you could talk also about some of the stuff going on in India and, 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 and in Africa. But if I hi highlight what's happening in Europe specifically, um, the, 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 uh, the European uh, Commission now is talking about having a, uh, a, a tax on plastic waste, on, on non-recycled plastic waste of, of 800 euros a ton, so basically $1,000 a ton, um, which is quite close, incidentally, to the, uh, to the externality cost that we calculate. Um, and, and they're also saying that you've got to have all plastic um, uh, packaging is going to have to be recyclable by 2030. That, don't forget, it's a third of all plastics, just over a third of all plastics in, is in plastic packaging. And then they're forcing companies to use more recycled material in their products. So the point simply is that, that there's a, there's a in, in response to the demands of society, the opportunities made possible by technology, you're now having politicians actually driving change. And, and, and the suggestion we make in this report is that some of the solutions which are being found in, in, in Europe and, and are likely to be found in China uh, are, are going to be rolled out across the rest of the demand vectors in the world um, across the uh, rest of the emerging markets. And, and that itself, all of this really starts to question
the industry's assumption of, of a massive continued eternal growth in plastic demand. In the US, there are several fairly large, you know, petrochemical facilities being built right now <laughs> that aren't even online yet and already seem like they're destined to lose money. Um, are you seeing any kind of a slowdown in, in like project financing on, on these kinds of, you know, the ethane cracker facilities, the sort of big petrochemical plants? Um, well, of course, the ones which have been financed are still going ahead, um, but I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that behind the scenes, people are now already significantly trying to curtail the expansion and not sadly because of anything that we've written um, <laughs> or, um, or, uh, or, or because they've suddenly got, uh, got religion. No, it's because of the price, the price of intermediate chemicals like ethylene has collapsed. And, and there's, it's, it's obvious that, uh, that, that you're expanding into, a, into a, uh, an oversupplied market. Um, so, so I, I think, I think, uh, we, we will see many more cancellations over the course of the next couple of years. And I think we'll also see some big, big write downs as people who've sunk a couple of billion dollars into uh, building a big pet chem plant and then on the anticipation of, of uh, selling it, uh, selling the material into the emerging markets as they begin to realize that that market's not there. Is there one part of this report that you most hope people kind of pick up on and pay attention to? Um, I think the the one part of the report that we wanted to to we was our original focus and it's still really significant is is to think not just about the plastics industry but to think about the implication of low growth in the plastics industry for the oil industry um and, and there's a lot of talk at the moment about peak oil and have we hit peak oil demand and uh, I don't particularly want to focus on that, but this this debate is really significant because if if but if between half and all of of expected demand growth from oil is actually from plastics, mm. and and if that growth in and of itself can now be questioned, then it just becomes considerably easier to question um, whether or not uh, oil growth itself, oil demand growth itself, is going to regain its uh, 2019 level. So that's, I guess, the other the other angle we wanted to look at in this report. The the other thing, slightly original thing that we did is we figured out the size of the plastic externalities and um, just the, the the point simply being that this is not an, an industry which has um, how do I put it mildly? Um, it's not an industry which has has been particularly receptive to to uh, to paying for the negative consequences of what it does, right? And, and you know the, the the cost per ton is about thousand dollars a ton, which which actually sounds like a lot, but on a per person basis, not very much actually. It's about well, it's forty six dollars per person globally. Mm -hmm. um, so so the point to me is that you have an industry which is which is polluting a lot and, and and creating a lot of waste, and people don't like it, and and actually therefore I think is ex extremely vulnerable to yeah. any attempts to to change it. And, and that, that is likely to play out over the next few years. It's a lot easier to talk about the negatives of plastic. It's harder for them to make the case that they do with um, oil, that it's just a totally necessary part of life or, or, or a central piece of the economy. <laughs> you know? I don't know. It seems to me like it should be that much, much more vulnerable to criticism. Yeah, no, I think the, the, the other point, well, as you know very well, the, the, the industry 
always says, look, you know, you desperately need plastic for PPE equipment and you need plastic for, you know, iPhone covers and, um, you know, and, 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 and they do the commission, these wonderful studies um, saying that plastic is better than glass because it's lighter weight and all the rest of it. And, and the answer to all of this stuff is just to go, okay, guys, that's great. I mean, we know your product's great. Thank you very much. But just, you know, pay for picking the, picking the stuff up after people have used it and pay for all of the health costs and the, and, and the, and the ocean costs. You know, if it's so great, then just right. pay for it. It's not, right. that, not reasonable. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's often lost in the debate about, you know, how great plastic is, is, is that there are, it is great, but there are costs which are borne by other people and you need to pay for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. You very, um, much for, very enjoyable, yeah. very enjoyable conversation. Yes. You thank you. Nice I appreciate it. right that's it for this time keep your eyes on the feed for our next season coming soon i'll also be dropping some special preview episodes for some of the other climate shows coming up on the critical frequency network and we'll be back here soon thanks for listening and we'll see you next time